0: fight we don't have to kill everybody in the wide world really just needs to chill no we don't have to bust. no 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 we don't have to fight hello everybody welcome back to another episode of just chill with oliver george this is episode number 60 and my guest this week is an extremely knowledgeable man that i have been a huge fan of for a long time so i'm really grateful i had such a cool conversation with him Before we get into it though, I wanna remind you if you're watching on YouTube right now and you would prefer audio only, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you were listening on one of those though and you didn't realize there was a visual side to this show, then please come check it out here on YouTube. While you're here, if you would subscribe, it would really mean a lot. I recently hit a thousand subscribers and I'm still feeling ecstatic about that. So thank you so much to anyone who has supported the program. Finally, if you want to reach out to me, maybe with a cool guest idea or just some general feedback, you can hit me up at just at gmail.com. And while you're emailing me, let me know if you're interested in one of these three by three hollow stickers first merch for the show. So let me know if you're feeling it. I did want to give a shout out to my 12 and a half year old son Maverick, who has been responsible for a lot of the graphics you might have noticed in the last few episodes here on YouTube and the visual version. Uh, Those things popping up around me, that's all him. He, as of late, has become a real graphics wizard, so I wanted to give credit where credit's due and say thank you, Maverick, for spiffing up my show. You should also check out his channel. He goes by Kinda Fishy here on YouTube and he makes funny videos, so if you wanna check him out and show him some love, I'm sure it would mean a lot to him. As for the guest this week, I was so excited to be able to talk to Mr. Alan Cross. He's an amazing broadcaster, public speaker. He's written four books, and for me, it was just surreal because I used to listen to the ongoing history of new music all the time. And it's such a great show. If you haven't checked it out, oh my God, find it online or wherever you can find it. Uh, it's he'll do episodes all about a certain band or all about a certain genre of music or a certain point in music musical history. You know, just something that was really significant. It's always immersive. It's always captivating and. Uh, just such a cool dude to hang out with so i hope you enjoyed as much as i did thank you thank you for your time first of all man i just wanted to uh say that right off the bat
1: oh you're welcome i don't uh you know i try not to turn down too many people because i know how difficult it is and uh it's just uh yeah i'm just trying to just trying to help out
0: well i'm a big fan of yours i've uh, admittedly never read your books but i i did listen. us okay to the show. a lot of people haven't <laughs> Well, I used to listen to the ongoing history of new music all the time. Uh, Before I worked at the hospital, I used to be a security guard for almost a decade. And I Ah. used to time my patrol so that I would be in the patrol vehicle and have access to the radio. So, um, yeah, being able to talk with you is definitely a trip, man. Oh, that's cool, okay. And also I reached out to you once when I had uh, come up with a song about four years ago. It got a little bit of local airplay and you were were very kind to me through email, gave me a bit of advice. Um, And that song ended up going on to become the namesake and theme song for the show that you are now on. So kind of came full circle a little bit. Very cool. Um, I know you started off really, really early in radio. You got the radio bug at a super young age. Um, But I've been curious, because I couldn't find anything about this online. Have you ever aspired to play music yourself or sing or anything like that? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, um, I was in a bunch of bands starting in high school, going through into a university. Um, I was assigned the role of drummer. I took lessons and uh, eventually became a drum teacher. And I still have the kit that I used uh, way back when. In fact, uh, just about 15 feet over to my right, I've got a, uh, an electronic, um, um, uh, rolling kit that I play every once in a while.
0: Nice. Okay. Cool to know that you're a musician. There are those okay. people who get into radio who are very into music, but don't actually, you know, partake themselves. So I was curious.
1: Well, you know, I'll put it this way. I, um, uh, my first instrument was a, uh, an accordion. So I had to do something along the line to <laughs> redeem myself and, uh, yeah, that's that's hey, I don't
0: know. Weird Al's done wonders for the accordion. Well, he has. He's the only one, though. Yeah, so. yeah, he is the only one. Um, as a follow up question, is there an instrument that you've always had a yearning to be a master
1: at? I, I really should learn how to play the guitar. I, I really do. But for whatever reason, I'm, I'm intimidated by, you know, stupid fat fingers, that kind of thing. <laughs> um classic choice, though. Yeah, I know. I, I really wish I had I, I wish, I, you know, if I had the time. I would uh, I would take some guitar lessons and learn how to play, um, starting you know, with an acoustic and then eventually having um, uh, an electric with an amp. Uh, I know exactly what I would buy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have a chance to play with anybody, but I should know, uh, you know, based on what I do, I should know more music theory than I do. And learning how to play the guitar would, would help. I mean, I, I understand keyboard theory, reasonably well because of the accordion but as for yeah as forming chords and 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 chord progressions and all those things i'm I'm just uh very 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 basic knowledge which is probably not a good thing
0: (laughs) well you still got lots of time to learn you know what i mean i I do and if if, i ever
1: have the time uh i will definitely
0: well starting a new hobby is quite the undertaking because there's always such a, a ramp you have to go up at the beginning that learning curve you know yeah
1: i've got a friend who who did that she decided that she was going to learn how to play the guitar she got an acoustic guitar and her big thing was you know if i can play blackbird by the beatles no. uh i will have achieved everything that i've hoped to achieve um i don't know if she's gotten that far yet but i am jealous about that
0: it's good yeah it's good to set goals for sure and keep yeah. uh keep expanding your knowledge Um, In regards to your show, though, the ongoing history of new music, I, as I said, a huge fan, just such a fascinating journey through the world of alternative music. But also beyond that, you always end up going down so many cool tangents. Mm. Um, I myself am a musical comedian and it got me thinking and wondering if there had ever been an episode or if you had ever thought about doing an episode about musical comedy in that comedy and and combining those is almost an alternative in itself because most music I would say is somewhat serious and emotional and not right. usually comedic.
1: Now, are we, are we talking like, um, a uh, weird Al or what's the other band? psycho? Um, you know, yeah, are we talking about a comedy band or are we talking about a- any a specific-
0: form? I mean like, yeah, flight of the concords would be another okay. example. All
1: right. It's it's it, that stuff is interesting. Um, a lot of it's not very good. I, you know, and I don't consider novelty songs to be much in the way of, 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 uh, of comedy. I'm looking for something that actually has some serious bite to it. Yeah. There is a comedian in the U.S., Jim Brewer, that I like quite a oh, bit. Yes. And he does some really funny bits, you know, about ACDC and, yeah, and other another rock bands. He's good. I, yeah, I like man, what right. Jim Brewer does. Right on. And I've often thought that, you know, I've done a lot of public speaking and, uh, I thought, well, you know, wow. the idea of being able to do some stand-up is really interesting to me because of what's required. You know, you, can you do 10 minutes? Can you hold an audience, uh, for 10 minutes saying things that you've, that no other comic has ever said. All right. So what's, what's your line? Are you a, uh, you know, a Bob golf Are you a, um, uh, a rich Voss? are you a anthony jeselnik are you you know one of these people yeah. and uh, okay well I'm, I'm not any of those things what am i well i could i tell could i do 10 minutes on music in the music industry and I haven't been able to come up with any material yet, so maybe one day.
0: I bet you could. I saw your TED talk, and there was a point where someone cheered for the eight track, and you yeah. very naturally made that into a funny moment for the audience.
1: Well, that, it's one thing to to uh, do a little bit of crowd work on something like that, but yeah. it's another thing to say, you know, you know, welcome to the stage, and then come up and and and, and talk uh, and crack jokes about the music industry that everybody will get.
0: True. Um, yeah, it has to be relatable.
1: It's got to be relatable, and you know, with music, everybody's got an opinion. So the chances of, of either a offending somebody or B speaking above somebody's head, which would offend them are, are pretty high. So you have to be very careful about doing that. So I'm going to keep noodling that in my head. You can and- try and
0: tell funny stories that you've had in the music industry as well, as long as they're not at the expense of anyone else.
1: <laughs> no, that, that's, that's true. Uh, and I have done that sort of thing, but uh I'm talking about hardcore actual uh, excuse me, uh, stand up, 10 minutes of stand up. Yeah. Well,
0: man, if you put it out there, I'll definitely come and see it.
1: We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers. Um, I read a thing you did for Global News back in January, and you're talking about the modern musical landscape and how more and more artists are selling their publishing rights off to big companies. Mm -hmm. And that's leading to uh, a harder place for newer artists to navigate, because obviously the big companies, they want to bank on the songs everybody knows. So I want to know, do you think we're ever going to see this trend go back the other way? Or can we ever reach a point, a society where we're sick en
1: masse of these overplayed classics? I think that's that's an, an inevitable thing because be uh, well you know there are only so many great 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 songs that can be repurposed so many times yeah and I think that after a while uh, this will contribute to the burnout of these songs. There's another thing that's happening, and that is the record labels aren't developing new artists. So the idea of having somebody fairly new, and let's say somebody from the last. 10 years or even 15 years, having a career as long as some of the artists who have had their publishing uh, purchased is, is nil, <laughs> you know? So you've got a deep Rolling Stones catalog. You've got a deep Fleetwood Mac catalog. you got a deep uh, Queen catalog and so on. You know, you can just name, go through the list of all these artists that have sold their publishing rights. Um, but who today is generating a deep catalog? And the answer is nobody. Yeah. Um, you know, my the 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 acts. It, we, we It's all about the song. This is the industry's fault. It's all about the song. It's not about the artist. It's about do you have one good song? Great. Then we're going to run it into the ground, and then we'll find another good song, and not bother to you know develop your your career anymore. I mean, back in the in, in the old days, say what you want about the record industry, but what they would do is that they would you know source out a band. Uh, they would sign them, and then they would nurture them, you know, over a couple of records yeah. until they had their big breakthrough. And at that point, they would make scats of money. Now, a great example would be R.E.M. First three albums, four albums, you know, were, well, didn't do great commercially because they were on IRS records, so they were an indie band. But by the time they get to uh, late the late 80s, uh, they're a solid group with a great deep library of, of, of songs of hits with the college and alternative crowd. And they signed a big deal with Warner brothers records, which was one of the biggest deals at the time and, uh, and blew up and had a really good run for about six, seven years. That's not happening anymore. Nobody's, nobody's interested in the long game anymore. It's all about the short term stuff. And I'll give you an example. Um, Hosier great big hit with uh, take me to church. Yeah. I dare you That's to name massive. me another
0: Hozier song. No, I could not. I do know that song, but I do not know anything else. He may me. be a very
1: good artist. He may have many other songs. There's but... a few
0: I can think of because I don't consider myself super, you know, on point with the new music these days. I feel like I'm getting to that point where I'm feeling like a bit of an old fogey. And but, uh, Imagine Dragons is one name that I've heard. Yes. You know, coming up, but maybe they've sold their catalog now. I don't. They know. have for hundred million dollars. There you go. So it's either one or the other. The second you make that. You know, cross into, oh, we're interested in you now, then it's time to sell, it would seem.
1: Yeah, there, there are some producers and some songwriters, uh, uh, recent songwriters that have sold their their catalogs because it gives you a lot of money up front, which really takes off the financial pressure and allows yeah. you to do other things without having to worry about money. So yeah. I, I, I get that. That's for young artists. For older artists, it's like, you know, I'm 65, 70, 75 years old. Um, I've already got more money than I can possibly, uh, you know, spend. Yeah. Uh, so why don't I sell all my catalog or, or part of my catalog? Uh, I get a big whack of money, tens of millions of dollars up front, and then I can use that to live out my life in, in comfort. Plus, I can use it for estate planning and yeah. will it to my, my family or, or my friends. So it's, it's, it's a really lucrative, it's, it's a really smart thing to do. Because you're not going to be around if, if you're seventy-five years old, you're not going to be around in 20 years to enjoy uh, all the money you're making. I from, guess it from,
0: depends if you're worried about artistic integrity and that they're gonna apply your music to something that you wouldn't wouldn't sit well with, with you. Or usually
1: in, in these in these agreements, there are rules and regulations as to what the music can be used to work.
0: Okay. Uh, that makes nobody
1: sense. just sells outright. They're saying, Okay, you can um, use my music for commercial exploitation and uh, anything except in these categories. Yeah. So let's say somebody is, is uh, you know, dead against alcohol. You can't use my music to sell alcohol. Yeah, you can't use right. my music to sell um, something that they consider to be uh, distasteful, immoral, illegal, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I was surprised when I saw that Neil Young had sold half of his song collection because he always seemed kind of against that sort of thing, you know?
1: Well, you know, again, Neil is only getting the money that he would have made up front. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to remember. And I can guarantee you that the lists, the list of restrictions on how that music can be used and quite possibly uh, requiring his approval must be pages and pages and pages. Yeah.
0: For him especially. Yeah.
1: Right. And again, let's understand this. This is money that they would have made anyway but because they're old they wouldn't have seen the full amount.
0: Yeah, so give like me the
1: full amount over x number, you know, that you estimate. It's usually a multiple of whatever you're making right now. Give me that money now so I can enjoy it and then after I'm dead, I don't care.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense when you get to that age, but it's a bit of a bummer for what it's doing to the music industry. From...
1: Well, there's there's a lot of, of of issues with this, and like I said, like you said, it's 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 this music is going to be beaten to death over the next twenty years as these companies try to get the get some kind of some kind of return on their investment. Meanwhile, it's going to squeeze out the opportunity for young bands to license and sync their music to you know uh, projects that might otherwise have they might have otherwise gotten so uh yeah it's it's uh we're gonna see how this plays out
0: it's frustrating too because i don't want to learn to hate a bunch of songs that i love because they've been crammed down my throat every five seconds you know i already kind of feel that way just with radio airplay you know you find a song oh yeah i'm really digging this and then a month later you're like god that song again you know uh, that's
1: that's a different sort of situation because you have to understand that radio uh is all about playing the hits and um while you may get tired of that song you'd be surprised at how many people just want to keep hearing it over and over and over again radio doesn't do it to be mean to be you know stupid to be you know vindictive or, or, or exploitive uh, radio is pretty agnostic about the songs that they play uh they would play lithuanian les- lesbian polka music if it got ratings <laughs> and so that you know radio stations do tons and tons and tons of audio re- of, of audience research and if the, if the research comes back saying, yeah, most people, and again, it's always in the majority, yeah. most people really dig this song. So you know what you do? You keep playing it. If you think it's bad for you, can you imagine what it's like for the people on the air having to play this song over over I've over
0: thought and, about it, and it seems torturous. It's,
1: yeah. and, and if you're a program director or music director, you're always dealing with insurrections from your on-air talent who are saying, can we please move on? And we have to go, no, we can't, because the audience says that they still like the song. Um, I mean, and it's really bad when it comes to top 40 type music, because uh, for the, since 1953, 54, when top 40 music with the top 40 format was, was first introduced, uh, it's, it's all about repetition. And uh, if you're playing, if you're working at a screaming top 40 radio station, you're playing the hit songs and there's probably three to five of them in your power rotation. You're playing those hit songs somewhere between 110 and 120 times a week. Oh, uh, there are only 168 hours in a week. Oh, so you're man. playing that same song, those same five songs, um, you know, every hour and 15 minutes. Um, oh, and it was it even, be- it, it's, it's been worse. I mean, let's imagine this is 1964 and the Beatles have the top five songs on the Billboard charts, and you're playing at a top 40 radio station. Okay, so, you know, a full, uh, a giant chunk of that top 40 are the Beatles. So every 15 minutes, one of those five Beatles songs would come on. We had the same problem with the Bee Gees in the 1970s, because they had so many hits in the top 10 at the same time. So you turn on the radio, and it was Bee Gees, Bee Gees, Bee Gees. um, And that contributed to the whole I Hate Disco thing
0: yeah i mean thinking about that as being the person you know the dj that's got to be you know, it's so obnoxious after a while the only, on I can, I, the only thing in my life that i can sort of equate to that is uh a couple of jobs i worked one time i worked at value village and another one was shoppers i think and they had their own kind of internal satellite yeah. station and you hear the same stuff over and over and yeah mm-hmm. and that's
1: programmed by somebody who's actually looking at all the statistics and audience research and
0: the age uh, demographics of who shops here. and Yeah,
1: well, you know, it used to be even worse when well, I was working at a grocery store in high school, and uh, the music in the um, uh, in the store was sometimes one eight track on repeat. <laughs> so there would be 13 <laughs> or 14 songs on oh, repeat in an eight-hour day. I mean, oh, God. Yeah, how do they there expect
0: was... that to not drive people actually batty?
1: Oh, well, uh, that was the employees. But most people come into the store, and they, they're in and out <laughs> in 25 minutes. We were there for eight hours, nine hours. We can lunch. And oh God, and it was and, especially, and- especially bad at Christmas because there was this one Christmas eight track oh. that uh, the boss's wife insisted on playing. If I ever hear Girl Ives and Holly Jolly Christmas again, <laughs> or Brenda Lee "Rocking around the Christmas tree, holy crap. I mean, it's. And the worst wow.
0: part is then the, the customers come in, like you said, only for 20 minutes. So they'll come up obnoxiously. Like, isn't this a great song? Not I've uh-huh. heard it like 40 times that day.
1: Yeah. Another speaking of things, it's, it's, it's pretty weird. You know, you're getting old when all of a sudden the music in the supermarket or the music in the airport is cool. Yes. I, I remember walking through Pearson and they got music playing, of course. And all of a sudden the Smith's how soon is now comes on. And, Oh, how old am I? Yeah, uh, how old am I? My, you know, this <laughs> song from from 1984, giant alternative hit is now background music for an airport.
0: Ouch. Yeah. This is the normal passage of time. It is the circle of life. The way she goes, they say. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about something I thought was really cool that I didn't know about you, that you had come up with the word bandominology or minology.
1: Bandominology. OK, now, yeah. so this- I did not. I did not come up with it. Okay, Um, you were involved in its creation. Yes, I was. I actually sourced this out. So um, I was doing an ongoing history program on the origins of band names. And I wondered if there was a term that described the study of the origins of, of band names. Well, etymology is the, story of the uh, uh, study of word origins. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another one, I can't remember what it is, but the study of, of names, where names came from. But there was nothing specific about band names. Mm-hmm. So I called a, uh, a linguist at York University, and uh, she said, well, that's a really good idea. Let me check with my my network. Mm-hmm. Who knew that there's a network of linguists whose job it is to study word names and, and origins of place names and people names and, and all, the, you know, all these other things that we use for, for language and nomenclature. And she uh, came back with, she talked to a guy in um, Sausalito, California, who was a, a branding expert. And they came up, they came back and said, okay, if we we're going to do this, um, the most accurate thing that we can come up with is vandaminology okay, let's see if we can get that into the Oxford English Dictionary. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, it hasn't. Okay. Now, well. I, I would love to have, I, every time, thank you for asking because every time I have an opportunity to talk about it, uh, you know what? I think you just gave me an idea for my weekly column right uh, for Global global News because um, uh, the whole thing has stalled and I would I would really like to see yeah, didn't they put like Mick
0: job in the Oxford dictionary? Oh, I mean,
1: every year around, uh, you know, around Christmas, they say here are the words that have been added yeah. to the OED. And uh, every year I look and nope, oh, it has to be used in uh, colloquial terms in a broadcast or, or widespread. Uh, there's all these rules of uh, usage. Okay. Um, and it has to be adopted you know, under certain circumstances. So
0: um it seems like a valid thing that is a thing and doesn't have a word to describe it. So. It I'm seems to forward. be very
1: valid. So you know what that like I'm writing it down right now.
0: Do it. Yeah. Global well, column. And band names are so interesting. So there is lots of reason to study them.
1: Yeah.
0: Especially yeah. With music being so impactful on, on world history and society. Oh, yeah. And
1: okay. So that's uh,
0: well, I'm glad I could uh, spark something there, you know, <laughs>
1: that'll be. Uh, you'll see that Sunday morning at 10 o'clock.
0: Awesome. I'll check it out. Um, along the lines of band names, I want to know if you have, in your opinion, sort of the perfect recipe for finding a band name or creating the perfect band name.
1: Uh, it's really hard. I, I think the greatest band name ever is Black Sabbath. It's pretty badass. That's that, you know, mm-hmm. could be the greatest band name ever.
0: You just picture uh, a barbarian with like a giant long sword or something. I, I you know,
1: bad religion, I think is another That's a really, good really good name. Um, let me look at my thing here. Uh,
0: I, I guess I was going for like, what are the char- characteristics that you think help, you know, discover or lead to Okay. Achieve?
1: Well, sure. Okay. First of all, it had nobody else. Nobody can have taken it. It has to, uh, exemplify your image and attitude and music. Okay. Um, it has to, everybody in the band has to agree on it.
0: That's a very good one.
1: <laughs> and the, the most, you know, at the end, nobody thinks about it. It has to lend itself to good graphic design. Can you make yes. a good logo out of it?
0: Yeah. Is it my so logo? it's yeah.
1: really, really hard. And, uh, you know, there are so many bad band names out there. Uh, and it also helps if there's a story behind it. You know, Nine Inch Nails, that's a really good story. Pearl a really Jam, good too. Name. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you start thinking about Pearl Jam, that's kind of a, weird name but nine inch nails i mean you know considering what trent Reznor is all about and the music and the imagery that comes to your head when you see a nine inch nail it's hard and heavy uh and the graphic design that goes with you know n-i-n and you know me even spelling yeah. it all out and it means nothing um oh, he no just, no he was just doodling something in a in a notebook and his his rule was uh uh if he if he liked it after two weeks he'd keep it and he did and he kept it
0: I mean, for the type of music they make, I think it's very fitting. It's kind of cold and industrial and badass. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now that's, you know, I I think, you know, Oasis
0: Mm, is a good name. Yeah.
1: uh, A bit, maybe generic. It comes from a uh, recreational center in Manchester. Oh, really? Yeah. um, Where a lot of people, a lot of people used to play. It was like a venue sort of rec center kind of thing.
0: But it conjures um, a nice image like an oasis, like refuge from whatever's going on in your life. Just put your headphones on and go to this <laughs> oasis. That's, you know, Soundgarden, that, you know, yes, that's another, yes, it's another, yeah,
1: another really,
0: really. I'm pretty sure I heard the Pearl Jam one on a segment from your show. And it was something about Pearl put mescaline or something into the jam.
1: Grandma Pearl, who uh, apparently used to dose uh, her husband with peyote jam.
0: There you go. That's And amazing.
1: that's that's. Eddie Vedder made that up, spur of the moment. Oh, yeah, it's not even real. Bummer. No, it isn't. Uh, they like the name Pearl. And uh, they went to a Neil Young show in Nassau Coliseum. And they were impressed with uh, how the band could jam. So they went, oh, Pearl, and we jam. Pearl well, Jams
0: is that simple, yeah. yeah. I know some bands just go straight to the dictionary and kind of look for random words. Well, that's
1: how R.E.M. came up with their name. I heard the line was the same way. Yeah, we had, listen, I've when i was in bands and i don't even remember a lot of their names i mean that was the worst thing absolutely the worst thing is coming up with a band name yeah and uh there's nothing worse than finding out that somebody already had your name which is why you you have bands like uh, uh, charlatans uk because there was an american band called the charlatans back in the 60s Um, there's something with blink 182 i think too right yeah they were called blink but there was oh. already an Irish band called Blink. Oh, okay, that's so it. So they added the 182, and they're kind of coy about why that one. Yeah, it's been used. a secret amongst There's, the, there's a bunch yeah. of different weird explanations. <laughs> uh, Nirvana had to pay off a British band from the late 60s called Nirvana. Yeah. So they could have that name. Um, Bush had to be called Bush X in Canada for I remember a, that, well, yeah. quite some time because there was a, a Canadian band from the 70s called Bush and they had to work out some sort of financial deal. So it's mm. finding a band name is hard yeah really hard
0: well and like you had mentioned agreement amongst the band members because a lot of the time you come up with one and two people just love it and the other two can't stand it and then you got to throw this great name away and yeah it can be frustrating
1: well there there are also uh you know band name generators online Oh really? um you know for example uh childish gambino it came from a wu tang clan name generator wow <laughs> if, awesome. you, if you look up wu tang clan name generator and you um, I, I don't know how you I haven't looked at it for a while, but it will give you a Wu-Tang name.
0: That's awesome. And is it still uh, alive? That site? I'll have to check
1: it out. And Donald Glover came, entered it and came back with Childish Company. He goes, okay, that's my
0: name. (laughs) Right on. Um, I want to ask you then, how essential do you think a great name is to a band's success?
1: hundred percent. It, you know, there's, there's one of the things that are, that's really, that can kill you is if you, if it is perceived that you have a dumb name, now, there are times in music history where a dumb name is ironically fun and acceptable. Yeah. You know, if you go back to the punk era, you had a, you know, a, a, there was a Canadian all female punk band called the Dishrags. <laughs> um, you know, the Sex Pistols, which uh, that, that's interesting. Uh, Miles, uh, sorry, Malcolm McLaren had a clothing shop called Sex he thought that the word pistols was really dangerous sounding so i just put together sex pistols um yeah it does not
0: exciting i suppose
1: yeah you know so, and dangerous i mean it's it's all of the era too like okay but the cars <laughs> yeah that one's pretty boring that's that's but because of of the era uh when everything was being stripped down that was considered to be okay well and all the um, bands back
0: then seemed to have a the at the beginning or well we
1: go we go through periods where we have lots of the bands and it used to be in the fifties and early sixties, it was always name of the singer and the yes. band name. So yes. buddy Holly and the crickets. So even the Beatles for a while, it was John Lennon and the silver Beatles. Oh yeah. Uh, but then it eventually morphed. They, with they, the Beatles came along, the idea of a, of a combo uh, perf- writing performing their own music, you didn't need to bring attention to the front man. Yeah. So everybody started to move away from so and so and the name of the band to just the name of the band. Yeah. So otherwise, it would have been Brian Jones and the Rolling Stones. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's that all got wiped out. Yeah, but, but then we had a, a ton of bands that were the bands. You know, it just goes on. In the Barbarians, the Trogs. Um, you know, well, the Rolling Stones, the who, the who, I guess, who? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lots and lots of those. But we also had then, then we went through a period where it was let's be as pretentious as we possibly can. The 13th floor elevators, you know, <laughs> for example, uh, the Jefferson Airplane. Um, oh, yeah. This is what inspired Paul McCartney to come up with the title uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, because he wanted something weird and pretentious. Then that went away in the uh, in the seventies until we get to the late eighties, and there was um, pretension was back, or at least goofiness was back. So we have orchestral maneuvers in the dark, and we have Duran Duran, yeah. and uh, that sort of thing. So oh, yeah, the guys in
0: there like The Cure and and yeah. um, The Smiths and
1: yeah. you know, the Smiths was designed to be as generic as possible. That was the whole thing. Uh, Oh, another great band named Joy Division. Oh, yeah. And that's got got a a tremendously dark story behind it, because if you go back to World War II, uh, there was allegedly a um, for Nazi soldiers on leave or Nazi officers on leave, they would go to this particular concentration camp and there would be this area where they would have sex with the prisoners. And that area was called the Joy division oh yeah that is dark yeah it's dark. <laughs> oh, Jesus. and of course then then they break up and uh they have the equally nazi sounding new order um but anyway
0: wow yeah i was gonna actually ask you um if there's any bands that you think have terrible names but make awesome music and vice but or old or surfers like...
1: <laughs> well yes yes that's a great one actually paul leary yeah yeah that's that's you know i, I like the Butthole Surfers, servers but that's a terrible name yeah it's pretty gross <laughs> yeah uh, can you think
0: of a, a na- uh, vice versa, a band that has a great name, but
1: makes terrible music? Ooh, there's a bunch of those, I suppose. Maybe Queensryche. I've never heard of them. Nah, uh, they're you know, sort of a late era hair metal band. Motley Crue. I mean, uh, I mean that's just my personal taste. <laughs> another great <laughs> band. Yeah, I'm
0: not a huge fan of
1: <laughs> uh, Another great band name, Metallica.
0: Metallica's cool, yeah.
1: It is a great name. It says so much about what the band does, and the graphic design is brilliant.
0: What is the name? Is just a spin on the word metal, essentially? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think Lars was doodling in the back of a, a school notebook and he came up with that, that name. Wow,
0: cool. Well, I could listen to you t- explain band names for hours, man. Yeah, I'm that. fascinated by
1: it. I, you know, there's, there's lots of books about them. And, uh, you know, every time, um, you know, a, a band name comes up that looks a bit weird. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a really good band out of the UK right now called Chubby and the Gang terrible name chubby in the terrible gang terrible name but a really good band i mean they're sort of like a a post-punk thing and and chubby the singer uh you know he's he could lose a couple of pounds but he's not exactly chubby is
0: that hey, not really
1: terrible name. terrible name uh another another band from the uk a fat white family <laughs> great great band i love them a lot terrible name
0: fat white family i mean it catches your ear it sucks you in but yeah uh, it does
1: yeah
0: and that was the whole thing behind the bare naked ladies i i remember hearing yeah that. that
1: was just a that was sort of a a joke i mean it was like oh let's be really naughty yeah and you know there would be there, there would be uh you know if they had their way they and the arctic monkeys would really like to have their uh, really like to have that back <laughs> arctic monkeys hate their name oh really yeah. Why? It just—it's a dumb name.
0: <laughs> oh, you hate their name? No, no, they do. They hate it. So why yeah. did they go with it then?
1: Um, it seemed like a good idea at the time. When you're a young band, you know, you've got certain, a certain sense of humor. Uh, I'll give you another one: Rainbow Butt Monkeys.
0: Yes, that uh, was Finger Eleven eventually, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So and, and you know, I asked them, you know, why that? And he goes, you know, we were young and stupid. So
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, at least they made the pivot though and decided to. They did, up. Yeah. yeah. And
1: it's, it's tough to make the pivot, but you got to make it fairly early. Bare Naked Ladies turns out that that was 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 a great catch-all phrase for them, yeah, and it uh, it worked, but uh, it could have been it could have easily gone the other way.
0: Wow. That's super interesting, man. Um, you spoke of musical books. So I wanted to talk about the one minute music book club that mm. you've been doing on Instagram. I just, so that hopefully people will go check it out, but, uh, seeing your massive book collection, I actually wanted to ask if you had a, an estimate of how many books you think you have musically based <laughs> books. Cause it looks like a lot.
1: Uh, about a thousand.
0: Wow. Yeah. Cause you're at what episode 16 or something. And you're only in the B's.
1: Yeah. And I've got, uh, another two feet worth the David Bowie books to go through. Oh, nice. <laughs> and these, these are only the physical books. Um, I mean, I've got a ton of Kindles, right. Uh, but the, these are the, the physical books that I've accumulated over the last, well, since 1993. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of them here. I still buy them because it's, it's, for me, it's easier to do research by flipping through a book uh, than it is having it on a Kindle where you have to search for the book and then um, unless I highlight it um, when, when I'm reading it, something that I find interesting is uh, physical books are just much more easy for research for me.
0: Well, they look cool too. Like one of the ones you were showcasing the other day was like a drumhead, basically. Yeah. That was
1: a Beatles book. Uh, it's not a very good book, but it's a cool looking book.
0: <laughs> it's cool design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of books though, I, I noticed you're also doing audio books or that you have done some that are best-selling. And yeah. uh, I'm going to check those out now because I was not aware. It's sort of well, similar to to the show you used to do. Or
1: well, I wrote a couple of books, and uh, they were released as audiobooks on CD. Okay. Um, then they were broken down into individual chapters and sold on on um, on um, iTunes that way. Uh, and this, of course, was in the era before podcasts. So uh, they're up there. They're done. Um, some of them are really out of date. But, uh, you know, that's that's okay. I get a check every six months for about $400.
0: Yeah, I'm going to check them out. Um, uh, I also noticed you wrote a kid's book, or that's how you had. Uh, yeah. It. And, yeah uh, the it's, Science it's, of Song, How and Why We Make Music.
1: Yeah, it'll be out uh, one week from today, September the 7th.
0: I was going to say the the date that this episode goes up will be the day before the release of this book. So yeah, hopefully so people will know. And this yeah, is just explaining um, sound and music and...
1: Well, well, it's kind of a long story. I, I remember years ago, I was involved in a traveling science museum exhibit called the Science of Rock and Roll. And we were in Toronto, we were in Kansas City, we were in Oklahoma City, we were in Detroit and Boston and a few other places. And um, what I ended up doing, you know, I was the... I was the head researcher for this thing. So... When it concluded, I had all this information about the science of music. So I, uh, my biggest client is Chorus Entertainment. They have a division called Kids Can Press, which is a ch- uh, children's book uh, publisher. I talked to them and said, uh, hey, you want to look at this? And they went, sure. So um, I gave them a couple of, of, uh, of, of manuscripts. And they said, this is good information, but um, you don't know how to write for children. So they brought in another person, Nicole, and she rewrote it, uh, much of it in in, in children language. And uh, then we got a guy named Carl Wien's to do all the uh, illustrations. So it's taken three and a half years for this book to come out. That's a lot of time for a 48 page book.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you what the age recommendation was, because I have kids and it sounds really interesting, but I didn't know like what age of kid. kid um, eight to 14.
1: About. So if you've got a really okay, precocious eight year old, yeah. Um, and, and there's even stuff in there for adults. I mean, if you're, you know, if you were to look through it as uh, on the coffee table, I think you'd find something in there. So we'll and see like how accompanying, it
0: all... accompanying playlists as well?
1: Uh, inside. Yeah.
0: That's super cool. Yeah. It's,
1: well, it's, it's, there's nothing linked to anything online. Um, at least I don't think so. I, there is a Kindle version coming out as well. So maybe there'll be something in there, but that's, when you do that, it becomes kind of bogged down in in rights issues. So probably not, but there are recommended playlists throughout the uh, the whole thing.
0: Cool. Um, Well, I won't keep you too long, man. I want to ask you one more question that I've been asking everybody this season. And I'm very interested to hear your answer because you have already interviewed many famous Mm. musicians and other cool people. So uh, I've been asking if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead that you have never met before, who would it be? And why?
1: I need a Rolling Stone. I gotta have a Rolling Stone. That's missing from my from my list of of people I can list. I yeah. Now I gotta, you know, Keith would be great. Nick would be great. I would have even taken Charlie up until recently.
0: Well, this question allows for that. It's living or yeah, not anybody. Uh, any
1: you know any Rolling Stone.
0: You're not. You're Rolling not picky. Stone,
1: I, I'm I'm not. That that's uh, that's got to be dealt with. I, I have to. I gotta figure that out.
0: That's good. I like I got an answer right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Thanks again, man, for sharing your time with me. It's uh, really been an honor to chat with you.
1: Very good. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, take it easy, dude. All right. We'll see you. Have a good one. You bet.